Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And of course, for a business to be successful, it needs to grow. But we all aren't quite sure how to do that. And oh, good golly, can we even do it during a pandemic? Well, of course you can, you know, and you don't have to be the size of Amazon to be doing this. And so we're going to have a lot of fun talking to my guest today about how to grow your business, pandemic or no pandemic. You know what? You can grow your business no matter what. So please join me in welcoming Cliff Farah to our program today. Welcome, Cliff. Hey, Deb. How are you? Thanks for having oh, me on. Doing spectacular. And thank you for coming on. Well, let me tell people just a little bit about you and then we'll dive into this. So Cliff Farah is president, CEO, and chairman of the board at The Beacon Group and a pioneer in the field of growth strategy consulting. Cliff founded Beacon in 2001, immediately after the tragedy of September 11th, with the goal to help his clients recover, regroup, and heal through business and economic growth. A 30-year veteran of the management consulting industry, Cliff has grown Beacon to become one of the world's premier growth strategy consulting firms. Under his leadership, the firm has studied trillions with a T of dollars in global market opportunities and delivered over 1,500 projects for over 50 Fortune 200 clients. Wow, that's like a whole bunch of them across major industry verticals in 85 foreign markets. His new book, Growing the Top Line, will be released later on this year, celebrating the 20th anniversary of the firm. So again, Cliff, welcome. Thanks again, Deb. That's uh, quite a walk down memory lane there. Well, let's get even a little bit more of that. I always like talking to my guests and, and finding out how it is that they got where they are today, you know, and, and, and how you really did discover that this is your passion in life. Yeah. So um, probably a fairly typical story for most people in the services world, you know, uh, graduated college, wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. And, and, <laughs> Uh, I was lucky enough to um, work for a, a, a gentleman by the name of David Maester. Mm. And David is an author. He's also an mm. author. He's also a consultant. He, mm. uh, he was a former Harvard Business School prof, mm -hmm. and he consulted to consulting firms. Mm. So he's written about five books on how to manage services firms. And mm. um, I had an opportunity to work with him and, and learned that I really enjoyed matching wits with smart people. And so that, um, you know, was, was what led me to uh, go to B school mm -hmm. and um, then to have a career where I spent a lot of time working in different domains in the mm -hmm. services world mm -hmm. uh, until I found myself uh, working uh, at a company called AT Kearney. Mm -hmm. And in AT Kearney, um, where I worked, they were very cost focused and, you know, mm -hmm. businesses is, uh, you know, profit is, is revenue minus cost, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the profit equation. And 
cost is really easy in the services world to do. No, I say easy. It's easier, right? You can measure it. You know right. how much you've saved. You know how you saved it. Um, it's very well tracked. Mm-hmm. Revenue is infinite and mm-hmm. and and very amorphous. Mm-hmm. And so firms, when I was cutting my teeth, didn't really focus too much on the revenue side of things. They worried a lot about the cost side of things. Um, which is great until you lay off a whole bunch of people to make your number. And, um, you know, we did that. And I, I had this moment of epiphany where I just did, that's not how I wanted to make my living. Mm. Um, so I started to think about this uh, limitless thing called growth that could create jobs, not take mm-hmm. jobs away. And, and um, started to get a little bit smart about it. And uh, by the time 9-11 happened, I was at this point in my career where I was seriously considering starting my own firm. Mm-hmm. And I was supposed to be on the second plane that went into the towers. Oh. Uh, and I canceled the night before. Yeah. Wow. And right. And, and so, um, you know, my wife looked at me, my bride looked at me and mm-hmm. she said, you know, life's too short. Mm-hmm. You, you need to. You just got a really big signal there. <laughs> take the plunge. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Take the plunge. And so, um, yeah. So, so I started, this will be 20 years in business. Um, we started uh, later this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, started the firm and really thought long and hard about how we could add the most value. Mm-hmm. And we knew that that there were different parts of the economy that were just traumatized. Mm-hmm. You know, travel industry. There are a lot, right. lot of similarities mm-hmm. between then and now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to travel. yeah. Nobody was going to get on an airplane. We weren't going to go to right. a football game. You know, all of those various things. Yeah, that's right. And and so. Um, anyway, started the firm, mm-hmm. uh, and it's been a great ride, as you say. With We've uh, been been able to carve out a really nice niche mm-hmm. um, for ourselves in the market, and um, you know, look forward to talking about kind of what we do and sharing a little bit of insight for your viewers. Right. You know, and you you obviously consult with the very large of the very large, but it's the same principles. You know, whether you're a one person right. shop or you know the the multi gazillion dollar companies. That's right. You know, and and part of it is we just, you know, we have to have planned, we have to have strategy, all of those various things. But, you know, as as we mentioned, you have to have growth. And I love this comment from your book. Growth is an infinite game with the revenue line limited only by your ability to convince new or existing customers to buy the products or services you currently or will produce. I mean, you know, that it doesn't get much more simple than that. And I think that's what is so confusing is we we make it into this huge, complicated process. I mean, you know, there's people who have either bought from you or will buy from you, you know, and 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 then you've got products you already have and products that you will have. That's right. it, you yeah. know, and, and that's really what it comes down to. And so growth is, of course, increasing those. That's right. And, and you know, uh, what you just laid out there, I think, really well is is the sources of revenue. Mm-hmm. So the, it's very well bounded, right? There are really mm-hmm. only two variables, and mm-hmm. and you know that's who you sell to and what they buy mm-hmm. that determine you know where revenue comes mm-hmm. from. And I think what we've found is, um, in you know, and it, and it's certainly true, independent of business. You're right. You know, you can be a small business, you can be a larger business, you can be a mid-sized business. Mm-hmm. Um, Figuring out who you're selling to and what you're going to sell them, and you know how to make that happen mm-hmm. profitably uh, initially, and then as an ongoing concern, how you defend and grow mm-hmm. your core is uh, is is a is a true piece of physics that all companies have to worry about. Mm-hmm. Right. 
You know, and it is confusing because, of course, there are obviously lots more things in there. Costs are, are you know, the big thing. Sure. Um, you know, you can't you, – you might be making good revenue and growing, but if your costs are out of whack – yeah. Um, you know, then, then you're not going to have that little thing called profit and profit right. really is, you know, the, the, you know, you have to have profit ultimately. I mean, you know, there's a lot of businesses that run in the red for quite a while and for a variety of reasons, but, but yeah, you know, you, you have to get those other things under control too. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, one of the, one of the biggest differences you see is that larger companies are very good at managing the financial side of the equation. Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're very formulaic in how they right. think about opportunities and mm-hmm. judge them against one another. Mm-hmm. Smaller businesses, I think, are more passionate. You know, right. they, 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 you know, you're doing what you love. Or, it's their or, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's funny, I think, though, is that that's also true in large companies mm-hmm. as well, especially in the engineering side of the house. You get people. Um, I was talking with uh, a client of ours, a guy named Marty Curran, who's just this brilliant strategist. And mm-hmm. Marty's. Uh, the chief innovation officer for Corning Inc. Mm. And Corning is a, you know, it's a great company. They do right. um, some amazing science, mm-hmm. but they flunk a lot of projects. So it's not unusual to be an engineer at Corning and have spent the last two years of your life slaving over mm-hmm. a technology that's your baby, right? It's your right. unique approach to thought and to have it, you know, killed. Mm-hmm. Um, what I like about Corning though, and I think people can take a lesson from this in all different sizes of companies is they celebrate the death. Right. Uh, so in October, near about Halloween, they have a party where people who are <laughs> had their projects killed mm-hmm. get to stand on stage and they get a mm-hmm. trophy and uh, they talk about why it died. Mm-hmm. And then and then they put it on a shelf right. and they wait until someone needs it. Mm-hmm. They dust it off and they put mm-hmm. a wrapper around it and, and then they bring it to market to monetize. So, right. you know, knowing when to pivot, knowing when things aren't working out financially, mm-hmm. knowing when it's time to, you know, stop mm-hmm. is is something that smaller companies need to get better at. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And of course the, the biggest lessons that we can learn are from the things that fail, oh, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and that's, you know, that's frequently the problem is, you know, we, we nurtured this product, we nurtured this service and for whatever reason, it just didn't work and we're crushed. Oh, good golly. You know? Sure. And, and, and then the problem is, you know, especially if you're a small business owner, you put your heart and soul into that, and and you're so crushed that you don't go forward, um, you know. And and I think that that ends up being one of the the biggest problems is people just you know they they give up. Yeah, I you know it's interesting. Um, failure, you know, failure is the great teacher. Mm-hmm. When you when you think about your life and you think about the things you talk about when you get together with your friends and you're mm-hmm. reminiscing, sometimes it's about the wins. I mean, the wins right. are always great. Oh yeah. But mostly it's about that time something just went wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Someone, someone broke a leg or someone mm-hmm. you know, got drunk or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever silly thing happened in mm-hmm. your life. Same sort of thing in business. You, mm-hmm. you find yourself talking about and thinking about failures. And, um, you know, I think failing early and in small ways mm-hmm. is probably better than failing big late stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, an, another sort of behavior that I mm-hmm. think is, is good for smaller companies to think about. Right. You know, and, and clearly you have to look at it and really figure it out, figure out why it failed. <coughs> you know, was it, uh, you know, uh, there's, because there's so many different reasons why something fails, yeah. but a big portion of it, I mean, you, we mentioned the fact that it has to be, you know, there has to be somebody who's going to buy it. 
And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that people think is, oh my gosh, I've invented the greatest thing since sliced bread. The entire world is going to want to buy it. Right. And we discover, ooh, maybe not so much. Yeah. So should we talk about it a little bit in the book? And it's it's an absolute truth of uh, of product development that either you are trying to meet an unmet need in the market. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, you've studied the market, you've done your you know customer intelligence work, mm-hmm. you understand um, you know that that they have a need that's not being met, and you build something to meet mm-hmm. that need. Right? right. That's that's one mm-hmm. way to go about it. The second sort of area I think you just talked about is market creation where you you've come up with something that hasn't yet existed in the mm-hmm. world that suddenly you expect to transform right um the world and um and you know that's that's a very hard lift because mm-hmm. uh, you know we were talking about mis- uh, risk mitigation so so when you think about market creation you have to you know define a concept you have to make people aware of a concept you have to show them the functional benefit of it you have to um, you know, show them where they can get it. You can make sure that they can afford it. Mm-hmm. Then you have to sustain it afterwards. And, and you want to herald success and have it build from this tiny little fire into mm-hmm. a big bonfire, right? Versus, hey, there's a fire already burning over here. Mm-hmm. It's a burning fire. It right. just, mm-hmm. you can throw wood on it and go for a ride. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and that's really the, the, you know, one of the challenges you have if, if you're in love with your idea. Mm-hmm. If you're in love with your idea, it's hard to acknowledge that you're going to fight upstream and it's mm-hmm. a harder fight than, than it needs to be potentially mm-hmm. if, if right. you're going to something like that. Yeah. And I mean, there are times where products just skyrocket and you're thinking, what the heck? Pet rock. I mean, you know, I remember when people paid lots of money to buy huh. a pet rock. It was a rock. <laughs> There was nothing special. I think some of them might have had faces on them or something. But, I mean, it was a rock. Or, you know, the guy who invented the pool noodle. You know, mm. you got to wonder, you know, what, what was going through his mind. That was probably – and it was probably one of those things. It's exactly like what you were talking about where it was created for one reason, but mm. it actually got used for a different reason. Um, you know, and, and I mean, you know, and, and obviously that happens all the time where people are like, holy schmoly, what if we take this – and turn it into this. Yeah, I mean, uh, there are a couple couple of thoughts on this. You know, you'll you'll find entrepreneurs who do well mm-hmm. with a single product, mm-hmm. and then they sell that product, and then they're ready to go do their next thing, and right. they can't find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. It was it, it fell in their lap. Um, you know, they were just the timing was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference between that and a large corporation, a Fortune 50 company, mm-hmm. is that the Fortune 50 company has a process to continually innovate and, right. and study and mm-hmm. identify that next thing. And it's 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 something that is difficult to do when you're resource constrained mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. But um, it's necessary if you're going to do more than just get by with that one thing, mm-hmm. whatever that one thing was. Right. So. Um, yeah, I mean, timing is everything in the market, though. I and mean, you're you're right. If fads are very tough to to predict. Mm-hmm. Um, sustainability, you know, um, core values of a, of a product, you know, defensible position in a market, those are those are things you might see more interesting to larger companies. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, you know, and and then we have weird things like the pandemic. 
like September 11th, where you know you you, you can and should plan for crisis, um, you know, and and whether that's your thinking, okay, I mean, small business, like a crisis could be their hard drive dies. You know, what are you going to do? Okay, well, everything I back up onto the cloud, you know, all of these various things. I mean, you should have some type of crisis management in process, you know, and, and, and in place, no matter what size company you are, but yeah. you can't plan on planes that hit the World Trade Center. You certainly can't plan on a worldwide pandemic. But when you've got those plans in place, then it is a little bit easier for you to hopefully survive. Um, yeah, that's tough. So you said a lot there. Let me see if I can unpack a little bit from my perspective. I um, do that. I crunch a whole bunch. Of <laughs> you did. You did. It was good. Um, first, I think if you speak with epidemiologists, they've been predicting pandemics right. for quite a while. Oh, yeah. I so, mean, you know, mother nature gets annoyed at us. Every yeah. Once there was, says, there were, yeah. <laughs> they, and, and I think there are a lot of things like that, you know, like post nine 11, um, there was this awareness that we were exposed to different kinds of mm -hmm. terrorist attacks, right? right. That we, have, we could have, we could have had a recurring event, mm -hmm. recurring ad, they call them adverse events. Mm -hmm. We would have had a recurring adverse event. Mm -hmm. Um, and what happens is to prevent those things, you have to spend a lot of money. Right. And it's not clear where that money is going to come mm -hmm. from. Right. So example, you know, the, um, uh, I think in the, in the aftermath of 9-11, there was this well understood fear about a, an attack from a thing known as a man pad. Mm -hmm. And a man pad is a man portable device, which is like a stinger missile. We right. made a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. They got out in the world and, um, you just, know, you wanted to make money. So, yeah. you know, you made that product and you sold it. Right. right. And so it turned out at the time that, that there were systems that could defend planes against mm -hmm. this. They were pretty expensive right. and, and they were in the air force, you mm -hmm. know, chaff driven things and laser driven things, all this kind of cool stuff. But, um, you know, the reality is there was no money. The, the risk was so small mm -hmm. and the actuaries did the study that they were, that they made the decision not mm -hmm. to do this defense. Right. And so the, I think there's a lot of that. There's a lot of um, playing of the odds that mm -hmm. happens by business, both large and small, mm -hmm. um, small businesses. It may, it may be, um, you know, Oh, you know, my, my town won't get flooded. My street won't get flooded. I'm not going to spend that extra on flood insurance mm -hmm. or it's rare that a car is going to ram through my front window mm -hmm. of my store. So mm -hmm. I don't have to really worry too much mm -hmm. about that. So there is that kind of stuff. Um, I think what's funny about, not funny, what's what people probably don't appreciate about the the response to this pandemic is it could have been a lot worse. Mm -hmm. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean by that. You brought up two things and we're, and we're doing one of them right now. So we said, you said cloud. Mm -hmm. Okay. The good news about cloud is it lets you work remotely. So, right. so the infrastructure for the first time in our history mm -hmm. existed. Mm -hmm. For us to work remotely, right? For businesses then, to shut down on Friday and people to work from home on Monday. Yeah, exactly. And and then the other thing that happened, Deb, is is this video mm -hmm. um, conferencing capability. Right. Now this existed post nine. If you remember mm -hmm. post nine eleven, when the when the um, you know the industry was the the travel industry was tanking, people mm -hmm. were. It was the first real step in this direction of right. video conferencing yeah. and. Yep. I, the, I remember the company I worked with bought all the equipment so that we didn't have to travel exactly. for a variety of reasons. I mean, you know, exactly some, right. you know, the, that was where they put the, together the numbers and went, ooh, we can pay for this equipment with five trips that somebody would have made. Well, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that's totally right. And that, now the difference was you could still go into the office. Mm -hmm. 
So what we weren't doing was saying, don't go into the office. Right. Um, so we've had this second tier disruption um, mm-hmm. from the pandemic that's requiring us all to work from home. But mm-hmm. you know, thanks to thanks to really smart technical companies and infrastructure that we've built out, mm-hmm. we now have the infrastructure to support cloud and video. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have the the embedded cameras that are allowing us to do this. And then from a practitioner standpoint, I mean, how does it feel that you can look over my shoulder and you know see my life? Yeah. And I can look over yours and yeah. see yours. Mm-hmm. That we never had that before. right because so, it wasn't professional exactly right so so what's happening i think is that we're interacting more as humans now mm-hmm. and there's a value and a benefit in that mm-hmm. as we conduct business and get to know one another better mm-hmm. which is totally counterintuitive you know right. you think about you think oh i got to be there and press the flesh and you know meet that person and have lunch and all that good stuff not so much we right. we actually transition pretty mm-hmm. well Mm-hmm. The other, the other technology that that has really hit its stride, um, and sort of made the pandemic better than it could have been, is telemedicine mm-hmm. and um, right. care at a distance. Mm-hmm. That's that's a really big thing that relies on a lot of the same infrastructure, mm-hmm. but it's but it's 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 still creating markets and opportunities mm-hmm. for companies to um, you know to serve in the market, mm-hmm. and that's big and small companies. So right. I think um, yeah, I think it's you're right. We it's difficult to plan for all of these bad events. And I think, you know, unless you're a futurist who makes their living trying to just think about everything that could go sideways mm-hmm. on you. Um, and who wants never, to live like that? Ugh. You'll never be able to, right. You'll never be able to. So, so much better to, you know, be able to pivot. And, um, and I think that's really what we've seen mm-hmm. companies that are successful mm-hmm. right now doing. Right. They're, they're pivoting to un- better understanding you know, their customers' wants and needs, right? They're pivoting to new ways to engage with customers. They're they're smarter about following the money. You know, where 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 is there an economic opportunity? Um, so all that all that kind of stuff. Right. Anyway, sorry, sorry to ramble. I ramble. Oh, no, no, no. You know, d- this is a fascinating discussion, you know, and and you know what's been interesting to me are the companies that, you know, it, we've we've seen three different types of companies through the pandemic, the ones that failed. You know, and that's horrible. That's awful. That's tragic. There are the ones that are still just kind of hanging on by their toenails or by their fingernails on the diving board, right? And then there are those that grew. Now, you know, companies like Amazon, you know, once they got the shipping infrastructure thing worked out, and they still have glitches with that, um, you know, because things like cold. I mean, you know, I had some stuff shipped over the weekend that was delayed. And, you know, how spoiled are we that we have to have it overnight, right? Um, but because it was too cold. <coughs> and and so, you know, they, they once those things work out, and those are kind of ongoing. But, you know, the companies that went, okay, we had this product. But now we need to do something different, you know. The and and in particular, I'm thinking of the companies that all of a sudden shifted, pivoted, whatever we're going to call it, and started producing mass producing masks, started mass producing hand sanitizer. I mean, you know, when distilleries are figuring, oh, you know, people might not be buying our bourbon right now, except you know, we do kind of need it, um, and started producing hand sanitizer. I mean, all of these various things. So that comes back to exactly what we were saying at the start. You know, find that product, find that service, and and you know, go for it. Um, you know, and and I mean, it really did amaze me the companies that just completely and totally 
And I shouldn't say that because they didn't switch. They just changed what they were doing to a different product, but everything they were doing, you know, for the most part stayed the same. Um, you know, they, they were able to produce, they had the, the, you know, the, the, the resources to be able to do it. They just went, Ooh, we think we're going to make masks now. Yeah. You know, What'll be interesting is how sustainable that business is. Right. And how, yeah, because hopefully we're not going to be wearing masks forever. Or I'm, you know. <laughs> I'm, I can't wait uh, to get my shot. I'm ready to, I'm ready to get it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think you know history has a lot of lessons from companies that made pivots like that. Mm-hmm. That that you know those companies who did pivot right. should be looking at. Mm-hmm. So you know, go back to World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, companies repurposed entirely to support the war effort. Mm-hmm. And then right. post the war effort, after they had not only shifted their product mix, but they had scaled infrastructure to meet demand, mm-hmm. they were stuck with overhead. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and so, you know, as 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 companies make these moves, um, they have to be really thoughtful to when they're going to step off the train and get back to their business. Right. Or, or fundamentally, have we now shifted away from a bourbon distillery to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a me- a work, now we're a medical mm-hmm. supply company, mm-hmm. right? That, that, that's right. a legitimate pivot that you could make. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think, I think you're right. I, I, I'm, I am, um, I'm also impressed by companies that are in struggling industries and, and have reinvented themselves mm-hmm. a little bit. So, you know, you look at Uber, mm. um, as a great example, right? We you know, weren't going to business meetings anymore. No, no. I still remember my last Uber ride. Uh, I was in New Orleans and the uh, gentleman who picked us up had all the windows down mm. and a bottle of uh, aerosol spray mm. Lysol. Yeah. And, and um, he's like, yeah, this just makes people feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and, you know, they, I, don't, I haven't Ubered in a while, but I mm-hmm. understand they're continuing to right. work on that front. But, mm-hmm. you know, Uber Eats has emerged. Oh yeah, and yeah. They couldn't drive people, so they were going to drive food. Yeah. So they looked at what their capabilities were from a functional standpoint, and then translated that into new markets. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a, that's a classic pivot that you would hope to see. I think I think it'll be interesting to see the real estate market. Mm-hmm. Right? Corporate real especially estate, especially commercial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, commercial real estate is very tricky right now. But mm-hmm. what's also interesting is you know we have a bit of a housing shortage. Mm-hmm. So. Are we going to see repurposing mm-hmm. of of uh, commercial real estate mm-hmm. into apartment units? Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know. It'll be, be, it'll be fun to watch. Like mm-hmm. as bad as this economic environment is, mm-hmm. it's incredible if you sit back and just study it a little right. bit. The the mm-hmm. things that are occurring, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned real estate. I on the a radio program that I listened to this morning, they were talking about this is the lowest nationwide inventory in many 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 years um you know and 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 there's you know a variety of reasons for that but one of the biggest things that i think so many people are going to be looking at is you know exactly what we've been saying you don't have to be in that city anymore to be working for that company you know and and so you know how much how much exodus from large cities are we going to see you know, are they going to go, I do not want to deal with Atlanta traffic in the slightest. I'm going to move to Birmingham or, you know, all of these various things. As long as where you're moving to has good Wi-Fi, you can so, pretty much be anywhere. So, so I'll, give you a, I'll give you a couple of data points. One is um, 
when we made the shift as a firm mm-hmm. to remote, mm-hmm. I was I was very much of the mindset. Look, I, I don't care where is exactly your point, right? If, as long as you have mm-hmm. high speed connectivity and and um, you know, the ability to make calls, mm-hmm. then I don't care where you are. Right. I, I've I had people go as far as um, the beach in uh, Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. I had go to Washington State. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just spread across the country, mm-hmm. and then. We were we were doing a study and we were looking at infrastructure build out, and it turned out that um, fiber to the home, which is still a, it's something I've been working on for a long time, but it's it's still an emerging uh, technology in many ways, uh, was driving purchase prices. Mm-hmm. So if you were on the people were people were researching if you were on mm-hmm. the fiber development line, and if right. so, they were buying real estate mm-hmm. in advance of that. And then uh, flipping it mm. to uh, uh, to people who are trying to make an exodus from mm-hmm. cities. So yeah, you're spot on. I think mm-hmm. that's right. Right. You know, and it's it's not only going to expand our workforce here. I mean, now really worldwide. You know, and and I mean, we'd seen that before, particularly from a cost standpoint. Um, you know, call centers, great example. You know, you you outsource those to to various other places. But now, um, you know, I, I mentioned to you that I interviewed somebody for the, this program um, last week, and and his program has has it has since aired between you know when when you and I are doing this. But you know, he lives in Vietnam now. He said it's gorgeous. You know, he loves it there. He is Australian. Um, you know, and and he said he can work from there just fine. Yeah. You know, and uh, you, I've I've talked to people before the pandemic who were nomads. You know, they they were in their RVs, and you know, most campgrounds have great Wi-Fi now. Sure. Um, you know, and and so you know, you've got all of that. So there were people who were doing that before. A lot of millennials, which I found very interesting, because you know, especially. If either their kids were so young that they didn't have to worry about it, or I mean, they could homeschool. And now, okay, homeschooling is you know pretty much the norm. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if even if your kids are back in school, it's a hybrid. You know, where it's it's you know it's it is an option. Or I mean, there's just total you know homeschooling options that are opening up more and more. You know, and and so they've got those. I was you know, and, and then things like you know, a friend of mine. He's he's been doing that. It, it actually is is her her brother. She was talking about the fact that he has been doing the thing where he he just goes from place to place, right. and he finds an Airbnb, you know, one of those, and he tells him, "I want your house for a month to two months. You don't have to come in and do anything during that time." You know, and so I'm going to pay you a reduced rate, but I want and and so he's gone to some of the coolest places, been there for a month to two months, gets his work done, and you know is paying less than what he'd be paying for mortgage. So you know, I think there's going to be so many people that are thinking, "Wow, the opportunities now are are so great." And so that's where companies really, you know, to go go back to it. You know, what is that product that you either provide now or that you can develop and provide that's going to help with that growth. And, and I think the growth really is, it's, it's exciting to, to be thinking about it. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I think the, you know, the example you just gave about, it wasn't exactly a van life example, but I think you were talking about the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that, that culture, yep. the, emer- the emergence of that, um, uh, demographic psychographic kind of a profile, mm-hmm. right. That, that, that embraces this notion of minimalism and 
you know, values the experience mm-hmm. of life. Right. That's a, that's a persona. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, as a small business or even a large business, how do I serve that persona? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so you might see um, in that particular domain, I, ha- I happen to know there's, there's been this emergence mm-hmm. of um, higher end vehicles right. that have emerged, right? Mm-hmm. So these really plussed up things mm-hmm. for that, that aren't older. for the people who are 80 and up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, right. So, so that, that there is within that demographic, a, mm-hmm. a higher income demographic, mm-hmm. that's part of it. You also see, um, you know, rural areas like farms starting to set aside um, spots on their property mm-hmm. for transient folks to right. live. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, they're trying to adapt their revenues to the, mm-hmm changing wants and needs of potential customers. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, yeah, I mean, the pandemic caused a whole bunch of flux mm-hmm. and we're going to be sifting through it for years. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if, if you're from Colorado, you know, when a big storm hits Colorado, once that storm's gone, mm-hmm. you know, let's say, let's say you got, you know, right. two, two, three feet of snow, mm-hmm. you've got that through the spring. Mm-hmm. If, if you're in Florida and a hurricane hits, mm-hmm. You could be dealing with that for two, three years. Mm-hmm. This pandemic dwarfs that right. and, it's, and it's global. Mm-hmm. So while we all want to get back to normal, mm-hmm. there's going to be this period of time where there are a bunch of back eddies in mm-hmm. the currents and, and a lot of unforeseen outcomes mm-hmm. as uh, governments around the world try mm-hmm. to get their people back on their feet. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, certainly phase one, getting getting the vaccines distributed and, mm-hmm. and used in time to prevent um, new emergent strains that are, are vaccine resistance mm-hmm. um, is really important. Mm-hmm. Right. Then I think, then I think there's going to be this um, decision and, and it's going to be instead of a reactive decision, I think it's going to be a, a, a practical decision. Mm-hmm. What did we like about this work from home world? Right. Right. Remote education. Should mm-hmm. we keep doing that? Mm-hmm. How about remote healthcare? You know, is that is that something we should do? What about this? You know, no more going to the to the damn grocery store. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, right. you know, I'm gonna keep doing that. Mm-hmm. I love that, right? Just mm-hmm. hit order what you did last it week. It saves money because I'm not going, ooh, I have to I buy know. that too, right? Yeah. Well, and so to that point, what does that mean to retailers? Mm-hmm. So so the entire experience in a in a uh, grocery store is engineered to get you to be aware of and potentially consuming more stuff than you thought you needed when you walked through mm-hmm. the door. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So, so now that you have professional shoppers, does that, um, does that shift to the mm-hmm. online environment that you're shopping in? Yeah, right. it probably does. Yeah. I mean, so Amazon has done that for years. You recently bought this. Maybe you'd be interested in this. Sure. sure. So, so, you know, I think smaller businesses, depending on what they do, you know, medium-sized businesses, depending on the segments that they operate in, um, are, are all going to be presented with these ways to potentially grow their top line mm-hmm. in, in very non-traditional ways. Mm-hmm. And being thoughtful about when it's time to pivot, when to invest is, um, you know, something we talk about in the book. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and I mean, for, for those who really are thinking and and thinking about gee what how can we get through this i mean we're not going to go back to normal they're just that's not going to exist and part of that is because so much damage was done 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, and 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 I'm I'm not fond of that word because you know as we've been saying, there have been so many good things that that have come of this too. But you know, we're. It, it, it's not going to be, you know, 1999 again, we're, we're not going to go back to how we functioned then because we did think, wow, I like this working from home thing, but you know, I miss my networking. So how can I do a combination of those? Um, You know, or, you know, Hey, people aren't going into grocery stores. So how do we deal with the fact that there really aren't impulse buys anymore? Um, you know, all of those various things. And, and I think that's, that is really what makes this interesting. I mean, the people who truly relied on going to those networking meetings, going to those conferences, all of those various things, making sales calls. You know, I can't imagine being any type of of salesperson that really, you know, whether you went to a business, you know, and and you know tried to to get them to purchase something, or they came to you, you know, whether it's retail, car, whatever it was. I mean, that's that's just going to be totally changed. Um, you know, yeah, people are going to go back to it to some degree, but we're also getting spoiled, like you said. I mean, I kind of like not going into a grocery store anymore. Yeah, yeah, we we um, I think I think you're right. You know, the 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 hardest thing for a consultant is to be wrong about stuff, right? Like we don't like to be wrong. And right. yet, and yet um, we had to go to our clients in a, in a number of industries. Well, actually in every, I, I take it back, every industry that we served, we had to go back to our clients in the beginning of 2020 mm-hmm. and say all that work we did for you last year, right? that you paid us all yeah. that money for, mm-hmm. throw it out. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't make decisions based on that data. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for a number of them, it became a very tactical, okay, how are, how are things shifting right now? How do we need to respond? For others, uh, you talked about the three categories. We call it drown, bob, and surf. Mm-hmm. You're either drowning, you're bobbing in the water, or you're surfing That's because you're a That's, sailor. I, I didn't mention true. that. You you it's are true. a competitive sailor. It's true. <laughs> but, um, but, but, what, but what I think is, is true is that um, there are some companies they can't keep up with demand right, right now, right? Mm-hmm. And, th- and there are, are there are, you know, the uh, uh, PPE uh, manufacturers mm-hmm. right. saw a swell mm-hmm. of demand in, in what, you know, historically was a pretty mundane, mm-hmm. um, predictable uh, kind of market. Right. Um, you know, and, and so their challenge is going to be what we talked about, which is how do I know when I should slow down or how do mm-hmm. I know when, you know, things are going to fall right. off the ground. The, um, um, the how you engage with your customer, yeah, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually uh, have a chapter in the book where one of the headlines says, you know, you 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 probably don't know how to talk to your customer anymore, mm-hmm. right? Like that's one of the mm-hmm. the impacts of the pandemic is you just don't know the cadence, you don't know the content, mm-hmm. and you have to embrace that and know mm-hmm. that it's okay that that nobody knows, mm-hmm. and that you have to sort of figure it right. out and. and figure out what works for you as you engage mm-hmm. with them. So um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. You know, and we really have to adapt. Um, you know, there are still some people that are like, I don't like this video stuff, um, you know, and, and uh, it, it, medical. I mean, that really is, is a great example. I was talking to my mom yesterday. She's 88 years old, yeah. still lives completely on her own. And she made an appointment with somebody and this was several months ago. And they said, now this will be telemedicine. And she said, I don't think so. Now, my mother texts. She has a smartphone, you know, and, and so it's, you know, she's not, a, she she's actually fairly atypical for someone her age, but she right. said, no, 
I want to see my doctor in the same room with me. And, you know, and, and the doctor was smart enough to say, okay, what time do you want to come in? You know, in, in some cases they've just absolutely said no, you know, and, and, um, you know, and, and, but to, to do a combination, you know, I, people who've listened to the program before know that I've, I've had some kind of ongoing health issues. I have had my shots. (laughs) Um, but you know, I, I have one doctor that every time he says, now, which do you want? Are we doing in person or are you coming in? Yeah. And I say, I'd like to come in, you know, and so, I mean, clearly I'm a social person. I just like to do that. But, you know, it, there are some things that I think, you know, some doctors are still going to have to do that. But, you know, I mentioned, uh, you know, that that I grew up in, in very, very rural Colorado. The closest hospital was and still is 65 miles away in a different state. You know, and and so telemedicine is phenomenal for that area, Um, you know, because it's just something that, you know, you can get treatment, you know, and and clearly, I mean, you know, there are times where, no, you have to call the ambulance, you have to go, I mean, all those various things. But if it's, you know, I've had this cough, you know, the the telemedicine works, works great. And so the, the organizations that have adapted or sprung up, I mean, you know, and, and, and are offering that, I mean, that's just a fabulous thing. Yeah, I look, I think so when we started this discussion, you said timing's everything, right? Like those mm-hmm. companies that were in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. There's this this amazing confluence of um facts that is that is happening right now when you think about telemedicine, right? Mm-hmm. We we have an aging population. Um the caregivers of that aging population by and large are fairly comfortable with technology. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't, you know, I, I, we can monitor our house mm-hmm. uh, remotely when we're on right. a trip. Why can't, why can't we monitor our parents? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that, that fluency with technology that the caregivers have that's, that's transformative, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's a big pillar of success. Um, there's, there is the fidelity and accessibility of, of, um, you know, two-way video and, mm-hmm. and, you know, the doctor's ability to um, look you in the eye while they're, mm-hmm. while they're remote. But uh, oh, sorry, and then the, and then the, and then the third thing is that they're getting paid to do it, right. which is for the first time ever mm-hmm. in our in our right. The insurance company reimburses for at it at least in the U.S. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's it's uh, the CMS, the uh, Medicare Medicaid mm-hmm. um, has decided to reimburse, and not just within a state, but also across state lines. In mm-hmm. the example you just um, right. gave, which was a another barrier. Mm-hmm. But so 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 there's money, and people follow the money, and then. Mm-hmm we have tech savvy caregivers and we have mm-hmm. uh, capability that's the crawl mm-hmm. right that's the crawl what's what, what what's happening with our clients now who are working in this domain looking forward mm-hmm. is they're thinking about um an entirely different standard of care mm-hmm. so ma- imagine if it's it's five time better outcomes mm-hmm. because you use telemedicine mm-hmm. versus going into the doctor's office right. so now you start to collide you know, artificial intelligence mm-hmm. and and its ability to sense pain, mm-hmm. right? To read mm-hmm. micro expressions on your face mm-hmm. or to hear a tone in your voice, you know, stress level. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe it's able to analyze your background. Maybe mm-hmm. it looks at the behavior that you've demonstrated because you've been carrying your phone around for a while. Mm-hmm. Maybe it looks at your online things, right? Mm-hmm. So there there are a whole bunch of things that could be done mm-hmm. that are pending that mm-hmm. are going to be transformative in the standard of mm-hmm. care. 
Right. And I think that's going to drive a lot of interest as well. So it's mm-hmm. it's not just cost avoidance, but but it's also you know mm-hmm. the 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 quality of life improvement that you might see. Right. And and one one thing that was surprising to me, and I know you know a lot of your listeners will know this, or your viewers will know this. Um, when I first started working in healthcare and telemedicine, something I've been working on for over twenty years, mm-hmm. um, I was stunned at actually how sensitive the insurers were to the standard of care that people got. Like you, you, most of the time you hear um, a bad rap towards mm-hmm. insurers and there, and there obviously are cases where that's true, mm-hmm. but, but um, you know, telemedicine, personalized medicine, all these things that are starting to emerge are going to remove a lot of the, the pain that I think we've gone mm-hmm. through in the past. You know, if I, if I know, for example, Deb, that, you know, this treatment just isn't going to work on you based mm-hmm. on your genome, mm-hmm. right? right? That, that is going to be meaningful mm-hmm. and, and it will avoid a whole bunch of bad mm-hmm. outcomes. So um, yeah, no, interesting times. Right. You know, and I, if anything, I think in, in some cases, I mean, one of the benefits is going to be an earlier detection and or treatment of, of some things. I mean, you know, one of the worst things is when, you know, you, for whatever reason, you don't feel good, or maybe it's a checkup or whatever, but you're thinking, especially now with COVID, but you know, you're always kind of cognizant. You don't want to go sit in a waiting room with somebody who's got cooties. Um, you know, I remember one time I was at the doctor and it really was just annual checkup. I'm in there, you know, and I'm reading my book, playing on my phone, doing whatever. And I can see this kid. Now this kid's a little bit further away from me. So I'm not overly concerned, but I notice he's kind of fidgety, kind of scritchy, but you know, he's a kid. And I heard somebody say he has chicken pox. Now I am an adult and I have never had chicken pox. That is not a good combination. And so, you know, I truck my little self up to the receptionist desk and I said, Oh, by the way, and, and for one thing, it got me back into my appointment really fast. I mean, they went, no, you need out of there. And, you know, and, and, but, but yeah, I mean, how many times have we put off going to the doctor because we didn't, for one thing, we didn't feel like going right. You're running a temperature, you're feeling puny. I don't want to get in the car and go somewhere, or you don't want to go be exposed. But if I can just pick up my phone at midnight and talk, you know, face to face. So it's not just that you're talking to them on the phone. You're video conferencing with them. I mean, how I would that's that has got to be a benefit and an increase. So so think about it from the doc's perspective mm-hmm. now too. You think they want to get in front of a kid with chicken pox? Mm-hmm. You think they want to get in a room with someone with an infectious disease? Absolutely right. not. Right. So so what what you're going to see emerging, and we're seeing it already, is mm-hmm. this new kind of doctor. Mm-hmm. That is, um, you know, kind of like a UAV pilot in the war. They're not, they're not actually in theater. They're, they're right. in Arizona somewhere. Mm-hmm. In the yeah, desert. they got their little joystick. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, but uh, um, you're going to see these teledocs, mm-hmm. not to steal the company name, but you're going to see these doctors mm-hmm. who are social creatures, right? Mm-hmm. And they have social personas, and mm-hmm. they, you know, they have ratings, and mm-hmm. you, they have cues associated with them, and. Yep. You know, you're going to try to get access to them, and um, and and they can they can actually practice medicine, mm-hmm. a new kind of medicine. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, let's think about this, Deb. You have a stomachache. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you were in the doctor's office, they might palpitate your stomach. Right. Okay, well, how do we do that if we mm-hmm. can't? Be, right. Mm-hmm. What, is, what are the new kinds of devices or technologies mm-hmm. or analysis that have to mm-hmm. happen to to maintain mm-hmm. 
to, to at least maintain the existing standard of care and then to expand beyond it. Those are the, those are the things people are, are struggling with right now, but you're right. I, not just, not, not just predictive and avoidance of a bad event, mm-hmm. but you're spot on when, when the, when we look back in 10 years and tally mm-hmm. the, the amount of death and expense that mm-hmm. happened because people were afraid of getting COVID. Mm-hmm. And so they steered away from hospitals. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be mind boggling. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, they were talking about a cancer, you know, even just annual checkups, things like that, that did not happen in 2020 because people were scared to go to the doctors. Devastating um, for hospitals, yeah. Yeah. devastating for hospitals. Right. So, mm-hmm. so hospitals became infectious disease centers right. as yeah. opposed to cootie, cootie farms. <laughs> right. And so, and so now here's, here's where it gets really interesting. So, and, and, you know, as a, as a listener, you always want to be thinking about, so I, I could have said, Oh, well, mm-hmm. maybe that means we, we create new kinds of barriers mm-hmm. for people to use when they sit in waiting rooms. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a whole new architectural right. mm-hmm. opportunity for mm-hmm. waiting room design. I don't know, but, but, um, but, you know, the hospitals now are getting their procedural volume back. Mm-hmm. So they're doing knees and they're doing hips and they're doing, mm-hmm. you know, backs and they're doing all that kind of stuff. Um, at the same time that we're pushing hard into telemedicine, mm-hmm. which pulls away mm-hmm. from that environment. So they're trying to, you know, economically they have, they have been hard hit mm-hmm. and, and now they're, now they're trying to coexist with this new world that right. for whatever period of time is going to be a remote care driven environment. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, healthcare really is one of those that, that we're just not. Sure. And, and I don't know, I mean, it, it's probably going to take years before it settles down into what I call it normal, the new normal, you know, what yeah. that will be, um, yeah. you know, and, and, but yeah, you know, we've, we've seen stuff shift, you know, urgent care centers. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, those didn't exist because you just went to your family doctor. And if you didn't have a family doctor and you, you know, then, then you went to the ER. I mean, there really wasn't right. anything in between. But that was pre-pandemic, right? right? That so was ten ish years ago. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, so these new care facilities mm-hmm. and this movement towards more disaggregated care mm-hmm. has been going on. Mm-hmm. What what I think is going to add a really interesting bit of spice into the meal that we're about mm-hmm. to eat is, um, you know, the administrations around the globe mm-hmm. are going to be investing to drive recovery in their economies. Mm-hmm. Historically, that would generally mean infrastructure build out, right? right. New deal, mm-hmm. new deal kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we're in a 5G world now mm-hmm. and we've got a lot of fiber and yeah. we're going to start to push a whole, you know, smarter mm-hmm. cities and, mm-hmm. um, you know, autonomous vehicles mm-hmm. and kiosk driven environments. Mm-hmm. And, and so you start to throw all this stuff together into the mix Mm-hmm. And there are going to be a lot of different opportunities for mm-hmm. people to serve the market. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think you're right. It's, it's going to be, um, I think there's going to be a continuation of this movement into non-traditional mm-hmm. care alternatives. Right. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, that, you know, a, a lot of people, I mean, we've, we've alluded to it, we're going to be doing stuff online. I mean, you know, and, and so if you're the the professional speaker, who traveled every week and was up in front of crowds, that is not going to happen for a variety of reasons. Um, um, you know, we're just not going to have conferences anymore. So you need to stop and think, okay, a thousand people wanted to see me speak. So how do I change that so that those thousand people can now hear me speak 
while I'm sitting at home. You know, so you, maybe it's that you've got the same product, but it's, you know, it's, it's a twist to it, you know, and, and where, where, where I think though, this just from a growth strategist perspective, mm-hmm. the danger of this new world mm-hmm. is the potential that it provides. Mm-hmm. So you could do all these things. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, post nine 11, uh, 2008 crash, you know, when, when, when the economy was, uh, in tatters, different ideas came up of what could be and mm-hmm. people got excited and they, you know, they invested in it and they lost their mm-hmm. shirts. Right. So, so timing is everything. Mm-hmm. And I think before you pull the trigger, one of my board members the other day said to me, you know, you can't use 2020 as the basis for your go forward. Right. Right. Because you can't it's such over- an anomaly. Yeah. And, and he's right. And he's wrong. I mm-hmm. think, I think he's, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a new, new, you can't go back to 2019. Mm-hmm. You cannot use that as your as your metric. There are there are things about it you can use. Like mm-hmm. if you think back in 2019, what was our unemployment rate? It was right. really low, right? Mm-hmm. It was like two and a half, three percent. One of the things I I when I was researching for the book in 2020, um, it's this incredible number of states. I want to say 18 states mm-hmm. had both their lowest and right. their highest right. unemployment. Yeah. In- they were really good at the start of the year Never. and then oops. <laughs> so, so, so there are, there are things that are changing, but I, I think you've got to be really careful about seeing an opportunity and pulling the trigger mm-hmm. on it as an entrepreneur, not even larger companies are worried about this, but right. I'm, I'm talking to your entrepreneurial mm-hmm. audience, making sure that there's, it's not a flash in the pan that there's mm-hmm. a bear there that's going to sustain mm-hmm. and that, you know, you have a unique enough value that it's defensible mm-hmm. um, is critical. Right. Right. You know, and it really is going to be interesting. And, and, you know, like you said, globally, it's just going to take so long because, you know, it, you might get control of the pandemic in one place. And we've obviously been seeing this happen and other places it just goes unchecked. Right, and then they get it under control, and and I mean, you know, we don't even talk about third world countries, um, you know, and and granted, that's in many cases, you know, for for most of our businesses, might not be something that pertains, but you know, you can't have a pandemic in one place. I mean, you know, I remember when they were thinking, oh my gosh, there's Ebola. What are we going to do if if that really starts spreading? You know, if we can't get this pandemic in control around the world. It really, I mean, that's that is where we get the the different variations, the the mutations, all of those that's things. Right. That's right, but but you know, I'll, I'll I'll offer that one of the statements you just made about you know the third world countries don't mm-hmm. you know don't impact us. For, well, they do actually mm-hmm. because of supply chain. Right. True. So mm-hmm. so one of the things we're seeing across industries is a disrupted supply mm-hmm. chain and. Um, the byproduct of that, the counterpunch, right? We always life always finds a way, right? People mm-hmm. are not going to just fall down and, and give up. Right. The companies always rebound. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see a lot of motion on um, circular economy and recycling mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, partially recycled products, I think, emerging mm-hmm. over the next few years that that try to address that mm-hmm. challenge of healthcare in, um, you know, partner nations mm-hmm. that, that are struggling more with mm-hmm. the pandemic than hopefully we will be. Right. You know, and it's funny because, of course, in, in some of those areas, they're not hard hit. Because there's, it's less dense population. They're, you know, spread out more. I mean, all sorts of things. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting it, to, to sit down and study those numbers to go, well, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. But it does when you really stop and, and dig into it. Yeah, that's right. 
Well, oh my gosh, Cliff. We are almost at the top of the hour. And this is this is such fun. I, I could talk about this stuff forever because uh. to me, it's so interesting. Um, you know, I remember having these conversations post 9-11 because mm. I was in corporate America then. And it was, you know, what are we going to do? How are yeah. we going to go forward? Um, you know, and, and things like that. And of course we do. We adapt, you know, and whether it's individual, you know, we whined and we carried on about, I have to take my shoes off at security at the airport. (laughs) Now, I mean, you know, there's a whole industry that sprung up with shoes that are easy to come on and come off. And and then, of course, things like clear, you know, and and all of those various things. But you know, we we do we adapt and and we move on. Um, you know, it's it's bumpy, but it it is you know it is a perfect time for many companies to really be thinking about growth. You know, yes, they should always be thinking about that. But now, you know, we've we've kind of had this little pause button, so it is the perfect time. And and so that's what I love about your book coming out now is it's you know it's, it's perfect timing for that. So again, um, it is called I had it right here, growing the top line. Um, and so you know we want to encourage folks to get that. But tell us a little bit more about what your company provides. Talk to us about Beacon. Uh, sure. Yeah, we're we're a growth strategy consulting firm. We've been around for um, you know twenty years now. We help we help companies um, defend and grow their top line, mm-hmm. and they're multinational corporations. So most of our work is international in scope. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to work for companies that have a science or technology that they bring to market. Mm-hmm. Um, very solutions focused, mm-hmm. uh, enterprise and government customer focused, um, and uh, I don't know. I we're sort of the the uh the, the the craft brew of strategy consulting firms i think you know we are we take a lot of pride in what we do mm-hmm. and we're very good at saying no when when we can't do a mm-hmm. good job and um i've got this amazing team that shares my passion for helping companies grow and and it shows in the work that we've been able to do i love it i love it well now you know you talk about the the fortune 200s and the big guys of the world what if you're a little guy? I mean, you know, obviously your book is is a great resource, but what do you sure. have for for you know the, the rest of us? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think um, the book is valuable, and it's it's valuable because it teaches process and right. how to think about stuff. It's kind of like, um, I don't know, you know, we're in a do it yourself economy mm-hmm. right now. So you go to Home Depot right. and you buy a piece of sheetrock and you mm-hmm. hang it on the wall. But boy, it doesn't look the same as when you get somebody to come mm-hmm. in and, and yeah. put it in professionally. That's that's it, it's it's their process, right, mm-hmm. and their technique that really has that impact. And and I think we teach we teach a lot of that in the book. Mm-hmm. We also, you know, have made available all of our white papers during mm-hmm. the pandemic um, right. to review. And so uh, I, I think people will find them interesting, and they can mm-hmm. find them on um, uh, beacongroupconsulting.com. Mm-hmm. So that's b e a c o n g r o u p consulting.com. Perfect. And um, yeah, I mean, go in, poke around. If you have questions, reach out. We're happy to chat with you about how Mm -hmm. we might be useful and um, just, just, you know, think, think hard Mm -hmm. and, and, and then pivot. Don't, uh, don't just be too opportunistic. Don't, don't think you're going to have the next pet rock. Hey, God bless you you if you do, but uh, how do you, how do you, how do you make the the pet avalanche, right? You don't yes. just want that one rock. Yep, yep. So. I love it. I love it. Well, yeah. if someone wants to connect with you, how do they do that? Yeah, uh, the the consulting uh, beacongroupconsulting.com is the best way to do it. And okay. um, you know, we're we're happy to have a chat and um, discuss you know ways we could help you grow. Perfect. I love it. 
Well, you know, this this really is fascinating and and we should do this again in maybe a year because things will hopefully have settled by then. We'll be in our new normal, you know, which obviously is just preparing for the next big upheaval. Um, You know, things just don't go along smoothly. That's that'd be boring aside from anything else. Life is organic. Right. Right. You know, and and so we we will. We'll we'll have to do this again. But do you have any final thoughts you want to leave everyone with? Um, yeah, no, Deb, I, I think don't give up, right? Take heart. There, there is opportunity in every market. And the mm-hmm. challenge right now is, I think, following the money, right? Making sure you know um, where there's opportunity and then focusing your time and effort on mm-hmm. winning that opportunity. And doing it with an eye towards where um, you know markets are likely moving is probably the best bet right now. So yeah, that's that's about it. I love it. I love it. Well, I really have been having an absolutely wonderful time. I'm Deb Creer. I've been talking with Cliff Farah, who is president, CEO, and chairman of the board of the Beacon Group. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.